Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today, we are continuing our interview with Tim Allison. Last we left off, Tim was discussing that we have the ability to reset our minds. Let's jump back in. Oh my God, actually, this is so amazing that you just brought this up because I was actually talking to several people about this um, the other day. So recently in my life, had a very interesting person walk out forcefully. I forced them out, kind of shoved them out. And, you know, that was a decision of mine because, you know, it was a bad, you you know, it, it was not good for me, simply put. And, you know, as teenagers do, um, you know, they're cooing in my ear, you know, sweet things like, oh, you know, everything, you know, I, I care and I'm this, I'm that way. And I'm like, that's nice, but I I can't have this in my life. And so immediately this person turns around and, you know, typey, 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 some nasty things on the internet about me. And it was funny because in that moment I had, I was, I was angry. I was a little angry. At that moment I was a little angry. I was like, oh man, you know, like that was like, that's so rude. That's so rude. But you know, at the same time I, I took, you know, I had that deep breath and I was like, I don't want to be angry though. And, you know, speaking of like the reflection process of, you know, I look back in the mirror and I'm like, you know what, this is okay. And this taught me this lesson. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to be controlled by anger and I don't want to be controlled by fear. And I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to conform to that stupid attitude of like, well, they did this to me. I'm going to be really upset. Like, that's not, that's not, (laughs) that's not productive. But what is productive is reflecting on it. And what is productive is to choosing your own mentality and your own path. So I look at this, I take a deep breath and I'm like, this is okay. You've taught me so much. I'm so glad that you said these things, these awful things about me because it helps me remember what I learned. And on top of that, I forgive you. Like it's, and it's so incredible to do these things because I mean, part of me, I was, you know, I partially was, you know, raised that way. And I also learned that on my own through like other books and other, um, you know, mediums and other life experiences, but it's so much more powerful. And not a lot of younger kids understand that at all. Like I literally had to, um, I had a very interesting conversation with one of my coaches. I have, I play multiple sports, so I won't say what sport and I won't say, you know, what coach, (laughs) but you know, at the end of the, at the end of the year, this coach has been pushing me a lot to, you know, to join, like to conform to this team. And I, I, I couldn't conform to the team because I was a different, I thought differently, I talked differently and I acted differently. And the way that they talked and acted and did, I didn't, I didn't want to do those things, you know? So I told me, my coach literally looked me in the eye. He said, why, you know, like, why can't you just conform to the team? And I said, because that's not who I am. Like it was that simple and, you know, and it's a, and it's not like a big, like, oh, this is my identity, but it's, it's a, it's a choice of, you know, like morality and it's a choice of, well, like of productivity and it's a choice of, it is a choice of well being like on the concepts of like not, not conforming and of like forgiveness. It's not like, oh, you know, I'm doing this to be a rebel or, oh, I'm doing this to have like, you know, to have that, like dangling that moral compass above you. It's more of it's doing it for your own benefit. It's doing it yeah. so you can feel better about yourself, especially on, especially on not conforming. Like if you're conforming to a group of people, especially when you're my age that, you know, want to do bad things, not good, not fun. You know, same yeah. with forgiveness. No. God, there's so much, so much, so many things I want to respond to there. First, first of all, I mean, I've been very recently, one of the things I, I do with, with my, uh, uh, my mentoring clients is I go through a process of identifying one word. 
identify the one word that sort of, um, you know, um, defines your life philosophy, you know, and, and what you're all about. And that was a really challenging thing for me to do after 60 years, because as you can imagine, I got a lot of life experiences in there. But the word um, that, that um, I've chosen, um, you know, to define everything I think I've done and do is defy. And I don't mean defiance in the, in the, in the, in the, you know, as being like, a, a you know, an starting trying to start an insurrection or to rebel or, or to just say no for being, you know, for the sake of being contrarian. I simply mean, you know, respectful defiance. I mean, the one thing I can promise you, because the other thing that I really caught on you, your words, you talked about your values, every single time you compromise one of your core values, there's a little chip that's taken away from you. I mean, I'm not saying you can't get it back. And I, you know, this can be interpreted so many different ways. It can be, you know, um, making a moral decision, but it can be mean so much more. It can be just simply doing something that, that for example, that you ultimately know has the potential to harm somebody. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. what, what, what would be a really good way of going through? If everyone went through their life committed to never doing intentional harm, just imagine though, you know, the, you know, the, the world we you know we'd live in. People don't stop and you know and 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 think about those things. And it's it's uh, I go back to your example too of of this uh, presumably gentleman with the the fast fingers on the keyboards and stuff like that. But you know what the the problem is? I don't know Ava. Uh, but the problem is this: um, most parents, if they knew about it, would have gotten involved, and they would have called it bullying. Yes. And here's another thing that's going to cause some controversy. I'm going to have people, look, I know what it's like to be bullied as a kid. I have very brittle bones. I broke my, I, it's not that I, I hide this. It just doesn't normally come up very often. But I had 15 broken bones, like arms or legs, by the time I was 15 years old. Oh, goodness. Because my bones were not absorbing calcium. This was a real problem for a guy who, like you, wanted to play every imaginable sport on the face of the earth. And people laughed their heads off at me, like, how could this, how stupid can this guy be? Because he just keeps doing it. And my parents got to the stage where they banned me. They said, you can't play, like, I'm Canadian, so street hockey with a tennis ball and hockey sticks on the road, this was it, eh? Um, You can't play street hockey. Well, uh, sure, Mom, I just went a little further away from home to find the game, you know? And then after a while, they realized that, it was better for them to let me play because then when I broke a bone, I was at least close to home. You know, they could, <laughs> but, but you know, the the you you get um, you get in this situation. My nickname was Captain Crunch. That was a cereal in the day. But keep kids <laughs> laughed at me. You know, I I would get I could never fight back with my fists because I'd get killed. You know, and people did push me around. But you know what? If my parents had gone in and tried to solve all my problems, you know, you know, in life, they would have taken away from me. You're talking about the gift of, you know, I couldn't imagine the gift of, you know, of the concentration camp. I mean, it's there for sure, but uh, I don't think anybody who hasn't experienced something that extreme could ever, ever really relate. Mm-hmm. But it took me 30 years to realize the gift of all of those problems I had as a child. Because people have been asking me for, like, in, 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 when I was 31 years of age, I was in the top 2% of wage earners in the country of Canada. I mean, oh, wow. I, I, wow. in terms of salary. And, and, um, I was the poster child for what success was supposed to look like. Married, check. Two kids, check. House, check. University degree, check. Fabulous paying job, check. Throw in stuff that I never thought about, but I was wearing tailor-made clothes, monogrammed shirts, gold jewelry. You don't see any of that crap on me today because I never really cared about it. But it was the uniform, and I was spending all this money in it, and I walked away from it. I quit that job, 
And my wife's from this tiny rural fishing village in a very remote community in Nova Scotia. Um, we've been here for 31 years now. I moved, I quit. And there was no work. For a guy with brittle bones and hands that, you know, this size, you don't go work in a fishing boat or cut trees down or hammer houses together, which is what the men did. And still to a large extent, when do, you know, and, you know, you know, in this community, I had to start my own business. And people say, where'd you find the courage to do that? And I never really knew how to answer them. And, I, and it came to me a few years ago. Well, it's, and it's not that I wasn't scared. Of course I was scared. I mean, we all have this internal voice. It's there when we're in, and you know, if we're about to do something really stupid, like, you know, call that guy up and try and go back with him or jump out of an airplane without, you know, without a parachute or something like that, this voice in our head says to us, yeah, no, this is not smart. Don't do it, eh? But that same voice goes on really high alert when we're thinking of doing something that we really want. It really gets scared about transitions. And so it goes on, 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 on super high alert. I, less, I have that voice in my head, same as you and everybody else. But I realize now that subconsciously I was asking a second question. Mm-hmm. If I go ahead and do this, am I gonna, what, you know, what is the probability that I'm going to end up with some broken bones or in the hospital or worse? And I really mean that. I, I didn't understand it. But I would think, well, I could lose some money. Or I might have to, you know, crawl. You know, the worst thing is we might have to drag our ass back to Toronto and start over again. I sure as hell didn't want to do it. But, yeah. you know, was, was my world going to end? Well, no, you know. And now I realize that, that that's created this, this internal defiance, this refusal to, like, I believe it's, it's a lot of what, you know, what, um, you know, what Don talks about is, you know, is this, you know, this, you know, this, this system that essentially has been set up to encourage people to settle. Um, and I think the only reason that I've lived the life I have is because I was just, I learned early that, you know, that I had the power to defy. And when I was defying my parents and playing sports and getting hurt, eventually I realized that when teenage boys got to be 14 or 15, that the harm that would happen if I was playing ice hockey with them was now, it wasn't would I get hurt, it was how badly would I get hurt. So then common sense, that voice said, no, you know, this truly is. Anybody who says you can do anything in life is full of shit. Pardon me, maybe that language isn't allowed on the show, but added it out. But it, but it is, eh? It, it, they are. Because there are certain things. Not many, though. I mean, and mostly the things that we can't do are tied to some physical risk. You know, something that, you know, we just can't get by. I can't be a professional ice hockey player because of lack of ability, but also because, you know, I had to stop training. I couldn't have worked at it for the years that was required to, to you know, to develop those kind of skills. Yeah. Um, and I, so I just think that, the, you know, that, that I, I want parents to back off. I want parents to, to like, I'm not underestimating some of the things I, I see in this bullying, and some of it goes way too far, particularly things that involves, you know, uh, intimate images and stuff like that. I'm all over that. I am all over stopping that kind of stuff, and we've really got to, you know, and, but you know what? This kind of stuff that you are dealing with, it's a different medium. It's a more easily distributed medium, mm-hmm. but if you think it wasn't going on when I was growing up, it was just locker room chat, that's all. Yeah. But it was, a, it was around the school in three minutes flat. Because as soon as everybody went out of the locker room, the boys' locker room, all, the, you know, it was, you know, whispering to the person next. And before the end of the day, everybody in the school knew that this girl or that guy was, you know, doing, you know, unethical or, you know, you know where I'm going with it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just got to let you guys figure these things out. I think well, way more. I think it's, I think it's, 
And I completely understand parents that they want to take care of their child and they want to love their child. Like, again, I was the first, again, watching my little brother, my, my little brother and sister grow up, my mom takes care of them a lot. Right. And it's, you know, and my mom wants to love Anna and Grant. And it's really, <laughs> it's really fun to watch because I'm not going to lie. I love my mom very much, but, she, but they're a little more coddled than I am. Um, so, you know, they're taking yeah. care of mom loves and mom wants to take care of them. Mom wants to keep them safe. And that's completely understandable for all parents. You know, my dad wanted to keep me safe too, but my dad <laughs> would put me through some risks. Like, you know, um, for yeah. anyone that has like a real, like a, like a, like a baby, like a baby like a child, you know, when they're old enough, you know, they'll encounter, they'll fall down or they'll encounter some pain. And there's a split second where they look at you as a parent and they decide what to do. And so if yeah. my brother and sister fell down, there was that split. And I've noticed this out of other little kids. There was a split second. They'd look up and mom would go, are you okay? And they go, ah, and they'll start crying. <laughs> and, I, and the same thing happened to me. I fell down. I scraped my legs. Like my knees were bloodied up. And I look up at my dad and he goes, get up. Yeah. And, okay. <laughs> and I got yeah. up. Yeah. You, you, that's so true. It's always been true. And I know as a paradise that I mean, it was humorous as heck watching, especially our son, the oldest, you know, he was just the ultimate actor. And I knew that the louder, he, like if I saw him fall, and he's like, this kid actually fell down the an entire set of basement steps once and hit a, a, a furnace in the basement. But the reason I knew he was okay is because he was screaming his head off. Because the louder he screamed, I knew the least likely the odds that something was actually wrong. <laughs> When you got, when I got concerned as a parent was when they, something, you saw them fall or something and they were quiet. Then it was like, okay, I better, we better figure out what's going on here because, you know, they don't, they, they're experiencing something probably that they haven't done before. True story. I mean, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's uh, 35 and, and probably wouldn't mind me saying this, but I remember when Jonathan, when he graduated high school, I will tell you this, he was one of, clearly one of the more popular kids in the school. He had so many friends, and I mean in a nice way, like not in a status way or whatever, just the kind of guy people ever wanted to hang out with or like around here, there's a lot of gatherings at camps and stuff like that because we're in the country. Like Jono was just, you know, it was his nickname. But I remember him coming home in about grade three, small little school, and he came in, got off the school bus, and he stomped into the house, and he, um, you know, and we said, what's wrong? And he said, nobody likes me. And I thought, I, I looked at him for a minute. I let it, let him think about it. And, and then I said, well, I guess you better get back to school and figure out why. And, you know, he went back to school and figured out why. Now, a few years later, somebody, you know, in this neighborhood, I know she doesn't listen to the podcast, so no worries, but her kid was in almost an identical situation. Yeah. And she went charging to the school, demanded a meeting with the principal, and instructed the principal of the school to tell the other children to like her child. Ooh. And honestly thought, now, of course, the principal is sitting there thinking, this woman has eight heads. Like, what does she really think I'm going to do type of thing? The harm wasn't there. The harm was the child thinking, mom solves all these problems. You know? Yeah. That's a really difficult lesson to unlearn, you know, um, you know as, as we get older. I mean, Seth Golden, you know, scared the crap out of me, but, you know, I mean, he probably should scare most potential parents because he basically man. says, I love that. Well, I, I don't blame you because he's brilliant. I've got like 19 quotes from him from one 40, 40 minute conversation. But, um, you know, he says that once kids get to the age of eight, they stop listening to their parents, period. So it doesn't give you a lot of years. They watch. You're watching what your parents are doing right now. And, and mm -hmm. when you're um, my kid's age, you'll still be watching you know, what, you know, what, you know, what they're doing. That's the other thing that people, I think parents are really missing today. I know that's not your primary audience, but here's the issue. Like they, 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 um, 
they truly underestimate the extent to which our, you know, kids actually watch them. And so we've got, um, one of the things that I talk about a lot on my show and, and I'm furious about is this suggestion that millennials, we don't hear it so much about Gen Z, but still, but, you know, lazy and titled, they don't want to work, you know. You know what, that's, that's so far from the truth, it's, you know, it's not funny. I know in the case of millennials, it's very simple. They grew up in a period of time where, first of all, the, the, the changes in technology occurred at a pace of which has been the greatest since the Industrial Revolution. So it's yeah. been a long time since we've seen that level of change. But far more importantly, they saw all of us come home at the end of the day and know that when we went for that beer, it wasn't because we were happy. They listened to the fights. They listened to the, the arguments about money. They listened to the complaints and the bitterness about life and, and the stuff, the, the conversations that we think the kids are, they, they took all that in. Mm. And thank heavens, as a generation, millennials and now you guys for sure have said, yeah, no thanks. That's just, I'm not, thanks, but no thanks. Just not gonna do it. And when you don't comply, which is what's happening, millennials are not complying. Then, and, and then a generation that, and a society that's built on compliance, it goes you know, way beyond the school system. The entire, our entire society is built on compliance. When you don't comply with what society says you're supposed to be doing, we have to find ways of justifying it. And it sure as hell can't be our fault. It's gotta be the kids. I mean, you know, we're smart. And we know better. We got gray hair. Like, what do they know, eh? But that's really, I mean, I, you know, it's, 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 it, it infuriates me. And so all the more power to anybody that defies, you know, systems or anybody. When it comes to deciding what you want to do in life, I don't give a crap what Don Wetrick has to say to you. I couldn't care less. And you shouldn't either. You honestly shouldn't. Mm -hmm. There's only one person in this world that Ava Wetrick should care about when it comes to figuring out what you want in life. And that's you. Oh, yeah. Nobody else in the world. Nobody, nobody's opinion matters a pound of coon shit. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's only the person. And if we instill those values in young people, then people like me will be out of business. I'm making lots of money these days mentoring 40, 50-year-old people that are you know, still, thank heavens, they've come to the realization that, holy cow, um, I, I've been complying with a system that's made me miserable, and I've bought into this scarcity mindset that says um, you know, that there's nothing I can do about it, that it's not possible. I believe we all have the ability to, regardless of our age, Every single person can harness their wisdom and experience and find a way to serve others. And if oh, you yeah. do that better, you know, you commit yourself to doing that better than anybody else in the world, you know, or as to the best of your ability. It's not about whatever, I shouldn't have said this, it. it has nothing to do with what other people are doing. But if you commit to your own excellence in doing that, you will make a living. You'll create a life that aligns with the things that you, you care about. You will never be asked to compromise your values because you decide, mm -hmm. you know. And if you don't want to work with somebody because it just doesn't feel right, one of the greatest gifts of being an entrepreneur for 30 some odd years is I get to choose who I work with. And I decided 20 years ago, I wrote it down. I literally wrote it down. So I, cause I was, I was not following this rule and it was making me miserable. I only work with people that I like and respect and that like and respect me. Mm -hmm. And if you can't check all four of those boxes, I don't have time for you. I, I don't care if you offer me a million dollars. I've heard people say, you know, Ava, you know, keeps bugging me, wants to do business with me, but I really don't want for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I've heard people say what they'll do is they'll double the price, you know, and then the person will, so oftentimes that person will still come back and say, I don't care, I still want to work with you. 
Now, here's where I differ with a lot of people. There are a lot of people that will eventually get to that price point where they just say, okay, well, if she's dumb enough to pay me twice what everybody else is, I'm going to go do this. I, you, you can't get me to do that. I don't care. There's no sum of money that would, 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 uh, would convince me to work with somebody that I didn't like and respect and that didn't like and respect me. And those core values, th that respect value is the, one of the highest values I have. So if I feel, it's not a feeling of disrespect. I got to be, you want to be careful in that one because you, we can trick ourselves into feeling we're being disrespected when we're not. That happens all the time because people think, take things personally when they shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, in fact, that's one of the biggest problems. I was talking to somebody, I think he's AV, he's probably 35, 40 years old. Um, and we got into a private message exchange and he was trying to, wanted to get onto my show. And I was just kind of having to explain to him at this stage um, that it wasn't a good fit. And he took it personally. It was all about him. It was all about, well, he even sent me a message that said, and I quote, good luck with your big name show. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I've had a number of guests on my show who have never been on podcasts before in their whole life. And I intend to continue doing that. Yeah. It's not about, um, you know, like, sure, it's lovely talking to Seth, but it's not because he's got a big name. It's because of the gifts that he can share, you know, mm -hmm. anybody that can share gifts. But I, I still tried to, you know, to mentor, I couldn't help it. I tried to explain that, I just made a business decision. Like you're, unfortunately, you're not important enough for me to get up in the morning and be really worried about whether you, you know, what you think of me. I, you're not, I just don't, I don't, I'm not wired that way. I just made a business decision that was right for my podcast and for my listeners. Cause I can't, just like you, we can't break our trust with our listeners. If we're going to ask them to listen, we have to know there's value in what we're putting out there. Right. And, and I tried to explain to him that he, his problem was that he was looking at it as if it was all about him, that, you know, me saying no was about me telling him he wasn't worthy and all this kind of stuff. And, and I blocked him and for like three hours, then I unblocked him and went back because I wanted to give him time to calm down because he was getting all ramped up. And I went back and I said, look, here's why I made the decision. It's not personal. And, you know, but what, you know, the, the thing I would suggest you do is to learn to not look at things through the lens of, you know, of it being about you. Mm -hmm. um, but he just replied back with four minutes of the, uh, audio messages on LinkedIn, uh, explaining that that's exactly what he was doing. He was listening to what I was saying about him. So it wasn't about him. It was about what I was saying about him. And, you know, I just, you just have to say, okay, I, you're not at a stage of life uh, where you're willing to, ready to listen. You're not ready to listen. I had to block him again because I'm not going to let that negativity you know, into my, you know, into my space. I've only blocked like five people on LinkedIn. I rarely, rarely do it. I mean, you know, but I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, that's another thing and it's a hard thing to learn. I mean, I, it, you're going to be challenged on that one a lot because as you grow, you're going to have feelings that people are, you know, that it's sometimes about you. Like just all I would say to yourself is that just understand that you're just not that important. I'm not that important. Mm -hmm. Like I, you, if you, if you're, if, if somebody's really got you angry, Really stop and think about it. And think, am I so important that that person gets up in the morning? The first thing they think about when they get up is, I want to mess up Ava's day. A teenager might occasionally fall into that trap, but no adult does. There's too many other things going on in life. And especially yeah. in business where there's no reason. And, you know, and, and just like the sake of energy too. Like, that's such an energy suck. Terrible. And I want to invest my energy into, you know, going on walks outside with my dog. You know, there's so many better things in life as well. <laughs> Yeah. No, it, energy is honestly, energy is absolutely everything. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and so we have to learn the power of discernment to understand and firstly, never take things personally. 
And, um, but then also not be stupid. If, we, if, if, if somebody's not in a point in their life where they're, they're ready to engage in a way that isn't going to have drama, I finally said to them, I just don't have any time for drama in my life. You know, I, I won't let drama into my, you know, my professional life. And, and he said, well, I'm not adding drama. And I said, well, I give up. Because, you, you know, what do you think this is? You know, I got 25 years on this guy. I've, had, I've done a lot of things in my life that he would like to do. He could be spending that time talking to me and asking me questions, asking for advice. But instead of doing that, he was attacking me. Now, how could that possibly advance his position in life? You know? Energy suck. Waste yeah. time. <laughs> bye. I, well, that's exactly what I said. I said bye. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's short. It's always short term versus long term, and that's such a great note to end on. And we could talk for yeah. hours. I I, yeah. I love that's talking. Fun. I love listening. No, sir. No, seriously. I love talking to you. I love listening to all of this because it's so valuable. And I know my and I know my audience is going to take so much away from this. But uh, before we go, where can everyone find you, and where okay. can everyone look at your stuff? Yeah. So uh, screw the naysayers is absolutely, you know, the easiest place, uh, you know, they'll find links to the podcast. I'm going through a major, I'm not sure when this is coming out, uh, Ava, I'm going through a major uh, brand change. Encourage people, I do encourage people to come back because I got a neat little book called Screw the Naysayers, They Suck Anyway. Um, and it's a really sarcastic look at the messages parents and adults are giving to young people these days. That's really what the entire little hour and a half read is. Um, and as soon as that new website is up, which will be you know, before the middle of May, I'm giving that away. I've decided that I just want to get it out there. So people can pick that up for, you know, for free. Um, I, I love, I don't, um, I don't um, make any money on working with, with young people. At one stage, I'd sort of toyed with some business models in that direction. Mm -hmm. I've decided that my gift is, is working with people closer to my ages, but I absolutely love engaging, answering questions, uh, popping on, you know, uh, 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 virtual coffee chats and stuff like that. So, you know, any of your listeners that, that you know, that uh, don't mind a silver haired Canadian off dropping some wisdom from time to time, reach out, screwthenaysayers.com, Tim at screwthenaysayers.com. Yeah. Well, once again, Tim, I fully enjoyed having you on and thank you so much. Hey, it's been my great privilege. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview series. I would love to know some of your best takeaways. You can find me easily on LinkedIn or Instagram just by searching Ava Wetrick, and I'll happily get back to you and have a conversation. If you really enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a rating in iTunes. That act will compound in ways that I can't even imagine. As you have just found a mentor here, go out into the world and see who you can be a mentor to today.